Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. We're following the latest developments in Donald Trump's criminal and civil cases. In Washington, D.C., Trump filed a number of motions to dismiss the criminal charges brought by special counsel Jack Smith in the election interference case. Meanwhile, ABC News reported that months ago, Smith granted former Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows immunity. That cleared the way for Meadows to testify before the grand jury. In Trump's New York civil fraud trial, a judge fined Trump $10,000 for violating his gag order for a second time. And Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, took the stand to testify at trial. Preet Bharara and I discuss all that and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing an excerpt from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. So there's another set of arguments that has, I think, a little more substance and will take a little more time to unravel and for the court to determine. I don't think at the end of the day they win for various reasons. But this idea that what the former president of the United States was doing in speaking about the election and about supposed fraud in the election and the taking away of the election from him, that's protected core political speech. And core political speech is protected in a very significant way. And we'll talk about a a kind of interesting case that comes up from time to time. The Alvarez case that he bases his argument on, but but this is, I think, a little bit more substantial than the double jeopardy and absolute immunity arguments. Do you agree? Yeah. I, I mean, I do think it is. And Jack Smith thought it was too, because he tries to head it off or at least make his opening argument in the indictment itself, where he expresses this notion that Trump is entitled to engage in speech and that he's being charged not for his speech, but for the conduct. We should say here, as we often do, that there are limitations on speech, right? Many crimes are accomplished by means of speech. If you tell a bank teller, give me all the money that you have or at a store or somewhere else that is using your mouth, that is using speech that is not protected because that speech is accomplishing a crime. Or you call someone up and say, you know, kill my business associate. That's using, these are maybe extreme examples, but you tell someone to do something or you incite violence or you defame someone. Those are all things that involve speech, but it doesn't mean that it's inviolable. And here the government is arguing that he went beyond engaging in core political speech and tried to subvert the election and obstruct a proceeding in Congress and all sorts of other bad things. Yeah, Trump's lawyer, John Loro, sort of makes the government's argument here in the sense that in writing the, the motion to dismiss, he continues to push the big lie. You know, he makes these arguments that there is abundant public evidence to support Trump's belief that there was fraud in the election. Of course, that's not the case. And so in in essence, it's like a dog chasing its tail, trying to make out a defense by pursuing the same lies that Trump is charged with, not the speech about the lies, but the conspiracies, the fraud that is the result. Well, it's really ironic because in the brief for Trump, He kind of associates himself with a mass of people in the country who believe in the fraud and believe that the election was stolen 
without noting that the reason they think that is because Donald Trump is the one who started them on that road, on that path, and is the one who spread the rumor, who spread the lie, who went into court baselessly, who sent other lawyers to go into court baselessly, such that in that other case we mentioned already, multiple of his lawyers have pled guilty to spreading the lie. So it's a little bit difficult to bootstrap yourself on on the basis that many millions of people believe that the election was stolen when you're the person who fomented that lie in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. The exact language that Laura uses in the pleading, he says, countless millions believe, as President Trump consistently has and currently does, that fraud and irregularities pervaded the 2020 presidential election. As the indictment itself alleges, President Trump gave voice to these concerns and demanded that politicians in a position to restore integrity to our elections not just talk about the problem, but investigate and resolve it. And of course, as you point out, what goes unsaid there is the notion that Trump himself was the source of these rumors and lies. And it was Trump who was perpetrating a fraud on Americans. It's sort of an interesting position for a lawyer to take. I think it proves too much. So I mentioned a minute ago the Alvarez case, which is an extremely interesting Supreme Court case that upholds the broad scope of the First Amendment, particularly in the context of political speech. And it's it's about a guy who claimed that he was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor, and that was false. He claimed all sorts of things that were false, I, I believe in connection with an election. And Congress had passed a law that said you can't lie about being a Congressional Medal of Honor winner. And so he gets charged under that narrow statute, and he you know, eventually takes the fight all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court decides what? That you can't prohibit false speech. In other words, the government can't impose a prior restraint just because someone tells a lie. And the language is really great. They say, our constitutional tradition stands against the idea that we need Oceania's Ministry of Truth, a reference to George Orwell. Here's the deal with Alvarez. This is how I read it. It says that you can't criminalize simply telling a lie. But that doesn't mean that conduct that's otherwise criminal is okay just because it involves telling a lie. Trump, again, just tries to bootstrap all sorts of criminal conduct into this narrow holding in Alvarez. And his conduct isn't like Alvarez's, and the government is explicit from the indictment on. He's not being prosecuted for lying about the election. He's being prosecuted for the conspiracies that involve, for instance, interference with certification of that election or fraud against the government or interfering with Americans' rights to have their votes counted. So again, Trump's lawyers make this very sophomoric argument. And I think, you know, as you're commenting, it's pretty easy to dispense with these. So they also argue, and defendants do this on a regular basis and almost never succeeds, that Donald Trump is the victim of selective and or vindictive prosecution. Now, the difficulty there is the standard is very high, the threshold is very high, and simply pointing to other cases that you claim and argue are similar to the facts of your own case where there was not a prosecution brought, is not sufficient. Because there are a million reasons why some of those other cases may not have been brought. And it's usually the case that the facts are not exactly coextensive, that they're different. And and indeed here, the Trump team argues stridently that there have been previous false elector schemes throughout our history, 
which is you know somewhat unsurprising. And in none of those cases was the person at the top indicted or charged criminally in any way. On its face, that might have some surface appeal. But among other things, the fact that other cases haven't been brought does not mean it's selective prosecution against you. And also, no matter what they say about prior schemes, I think the record reveals pretty clearly that this false selector scheme was more widespread and involved and serious than anyone that has preceded it in history that we're aware of. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, let's look at the specific tests that are used because it's different for selective prosecution and for vindictive prosecution. In selective prosecution, to prevail, Trump would have to establish that the government had both a discriminatory purpose and that their decision to prosecute had a discriminatory intent and and sort of good luck with that, right? But for vindictive prosecution, it's a little bit different. The defendant has to show that all of the circumstances, when taken together, support a realistic likelihood of vindictiveness. And here in a situation where prosecutors hung back, waited for evidence to develop, watched the January 6th committee in action, and only then proceeded— It's tough to make out that test, but Trump's lawyers try to flip those facts on their head and say that the fact that DOJ took its time before indicting shows that somehow they were corrupted and that they were responding to Biden's push for prosecution. And this is a single point of failure on the vindictiveness argument because there is simply no evidence that Joe Biden was directing DOJ's conduct. They say that. They don't prove it. There's no evidence I'm aware of to support it. That makes both of these motions just stone-cold losers. You know, it's also sort of ironic, and I hate to say it, but should there be a second Trump presidency and its revenge tour 2025, he will undoubtedly be pressuring his Justice Department to vindictively bring prosecutions against people who he perceived to be his rivals or his enemies, or his adversaries. And those people, if they get charged by a Trump Justice Department, will in fact have viable claims for selective and or vindictive prosecution. You know, I keep saying that you're absolutely right, but gee, Preet, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween jinx. But, you know, here's the deal, because this is pure projection. This is something that Trump does now. His lawyers are doing it. This is what they say in the motion. This prosecution is also driven by an unconstitutional discriminatory purpose. Biden's publicly stated objective is to use the criminal justice system to incapacitate President Trump, his main political rival, and the leading candidate in the upcoming election. And I have not ever heard Joe Biden say that, but I have heard Donald Trump say plenty of times that he would use his Justice Department in this manner. So be careful what you say. It's kind of weird that they don't really have any evidence at all that Joe Biden directed the prosecution of Trump. In fact, in a very disciplined way, repeatedly, again and again, in public said he's not taking part. He's not telling his attorney general what to do. And then secondarily, obviously, Merrick Garland himself appointed a special counsel who is not completely unfettered, but largely independent from the Justice Department. So you have multiple levels of remove from Joe Biden and the prosecutorial decision-making process. And, you know, incidentally, this does not bear directly on this question, but you have other independent prosecutors who have nothing to do with Joe Biden or the Justice Department, one in Manhattan and one in Georgia, who themselves think there's sufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt 
that Donald Trump has committed crimes and violated statutes. So the overall picture here of Donald Trump being in jeopardy because criminal cases have been brought against him, you know, it, it strains credulity to say this was directed by Joe Biden. I think your assessment of projection is exactly right. There is one sort of interesting, to me at least, inside of baseball, legal argument that Trump's lawyers take a flyer at. They make this argument that Trump lacked fair notice that what they call his advocacy could be criminalized. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. And to the many of you who've chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.